Welcome to episode number 13 of Strengthening the Brethren podcast. I'm your host, Michael Larson. I hope everyone in podcast land had a great time with family and friends for Christmas. I'm looking forward to seeing what God does in this new year. Today I'm going to share with you a sermon by Pastor Stan Roach entitled, Do You Like What He Likes? You may go back to listen to his testimony in episode number 11. I pray that this message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. Good to be here tonight. I was feeling kind of bad. They set me over there by myself. And then I looked up in the balcony. I saw a fellow sitting up there. and nobody with him. And uh, so I thought, well. And then I started to run. I thought it was an earthquake. And I realized it's the organ. Uh, we just had a 7.9, I believe, uh, earthquake there in Alaska. And shut down several of the, the major highways. Uh, managed to shut them both down. Uh, there was cracks through the road across the highway. It was about 20 foot deep. 18 wheelers were stranded uh, where it cracked open around them and behind them, and they couldn't go anywhere. But uh, uh, anyway, an earthquake is uh, quite a quite a thing to go through. Uh, but I appreciate the privilege of coming tonight to stand behind this sacred desk. We've had Dr. Vogelin and, uh, and Pastor Jeff at our church, and both of them did a, did a wonderful job. Our people love them. Our folks like preaching, and they love preachers. And uh, one thing I don't like about Dr. Vogelin, when he preaches, you know, he just kind of leaves you hanging. You know, you really don't know what he meant when he gets done. You know, just like him pussyfooting... Uh, Preachers like that. It's good to know that there's preachers that preach like your pastor. It's good to know that there's churches in America like Fairhaven. It's good to know there's places like your college that young people can come to and uh, and be trained for the ministry. Uh, the ministry is very important. Uh, any ministry ought to be through the church. Uh, but the camp ministry... It's where we first met uh, with Heather Berger and, and all of her uh, brothers and sister and, uh, and their family. And then, of course, they came to our church and Heather's, Heather's here. And, and uh, been a lot of young people saved. One of the, the Marine uh, pilots that flies President Bush is a young man that came to our camp. Uh, so there's all kinds of... Uh, People. Some of the prison inmates in Alaska and different places are some of our kids that came to camp. <laughs> the camp is a very important ministry, and uh, so you want to you want to take advantage of every ministry that God gives you. And of course, brother, brother, Mrs. Lemon and Gina. And, uh, but anyway, Betty, why don't you stand? I got my wife with me. This is her first trip to Fairhaven. I told her I said you're going to love it down there. It's a beautiful place, and, and uh, they treat you like royalty. And uh, so we, we, we appreciate being here. Uh, pray for our church, our work. Last time I was here, I asked you to pray that God would give me a, a motorcycle. I'd been praying about working with the Vietnam vets, uh, have a motorcycle club, I guess they call it. It's a gang uh, there. And uh, anyway, I am a Vietnam veteran. Uh, so anyway, but I'd ask you to pray that God would give me a Harley. And uh, my wife has pictures of it if you want to see what it was that you prayed for. Uh, God gave me a 1200 Sportster, and uh, it's, it's all fixed up. The, uh, it's got a big, uh, large gas tank on it with the American flag and the Marines on Iwo Jima. It says, One Nation Under God down the sides. It says, uh, you, you must be saved or born again. I can't remember on the back rack. Uh, it's their scripture on the windshield, the, the front fender has the twin towers painted on it. The first tower had been hit. The second, the plane, there's an airplane. You can see the airplane getting ready to hit the second tower. There's flames below it and a cross above it because some of those people hopefully went to heaven and no doubt a lot of them went to hell. Uh, I, the guy painted it for me and then down the back of the fender it says Jesus and it's got John 3.16 on the back. Uh, the guy that painted it for me is not saved. I told him what I wanted. I wanted him to paint a scene of heaven between the forks above the Twin Towers. But he said, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I said, well, just paint a cross 
something that says there's something about, you know, I want, I want, I said, there's a message there. A lot of those people went to hell, and that's why I wanted the flames on the bottom, and it says, God save America on, in the flames, but then I said, some of them went to heaven, and I want, you know, I want to be able to relate that to whoever. I want to be able to preach when I, people look at this motorcycle and ask me about it. Well, he got the thing painted. And, uh, I mean, did a wonderful job with an airbrush. And when he was done, I asked him, what do I owe you for this? I mean, this is a very expensive paint job. And he said, man's not saved. He said, let's just call it tithing. Uh, God's working on him. His name's Perry, and I'd appreciate if you prayed for him. But uh, there's, there's bikers that are saved today because of that motorcycle. Uh, and that motorcycle's there because people like you prayed for it, and uh, God God answered your prayers. Uh, we work with a lot of different motorcycle gangs, the Hell's Angels, and uh, there's another gang of them down in Seward. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, it's quite an experience. But it's uh, there are people for whom Christ died, and there are people that most people have given up on. But uh, I believe it's the will of the Father that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So pray for that ministry, if you would. We also have a prison ministry. Uh, we're going in uh, to the prison there in Palmer, a medium side and a minimum side, and then the Sixth Avenue Jail there in Anchorage. Uh, we're going into four different nursing homes. Uh, we've got missionaries going around the world, and uh, it's just it's good to be in the ministry. It's good to be used of God. Uh, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. And when everything was said and done, I got out of the Marine Corps. I came back from Vietnam. I had plans of becoming a mercenary or a hitman for the mob. I thank the Lord that uh, the right connections were not made because I probably wouldn't be here tonight. But the Lord knew that. And I'm just so thankful that uh, we serve a wonderful Lord. He's very merciful to us. Uh, he's very gracious. He's very kind to us. And I'm so glad that he is. Uh, at this time, I am 55 years old, I think, right? 55. I have to check about that. Uh, you know, your age, uh, you don't think about age until you begin to get older. Uh, but did you realize the only time in our lives when we get old is when we're kids? If you're less than 10 years old, you're so excited about aging, you think in fractions. I'm four and a half. You're never 36 and a half. You're four and a half. Uh, you get to your teens. Now you can't hold back. You jump to the next number. How old are you? I'm going to be 16. You could be 12, but you're going to be 16. And then the greatest day of your life happens. You become 21. Even the word sounds like a ceremony. You become 21. But then you turn 30. What happened there? Makes you sound like bad milk. You turned we have thrown him out. There's no fun now. What changed? You became 21. You turned 30. You're pushing 40. Uh, it's slipping away. You become 21. You turn 30. You're pushing 40. You reach 50 and your dreams are gone. Then you make it to 60. You didn't think you could. So you become 21. You turn 30. You're pushing 40. You reach 50. You make it to 60. And then you build up so much speed you hit 70. After that, it's a day-by-day -day thing. After that, you hit Wednesday. You get into your 80s, you hit lunch. You turn 4.30. <laughs> My grandmother once said she wouldn't buy green bananas. It's, a, it's an investment, you know, and maybe a bad one. Uh, may not live till they turn. So, uh, 55 years old, and uh, God has used me in his service the last half of my life. And I'm glad that he has. I was a champion for the devil. I gave the devil everything I had. I put my all into serving Satan. And uh, I want to do the same in serving the Lord. I want to do more. Uh, I want to be used of God. I want to be used of the Lord. Turn, if you would, tonight at Amos chapter 3. Amos chapter number 3. And again, it's good to be with you tonight. I love your auditorium. Uh, last time I was here, that wasn't there, and this wasn't here. And you redone and remodeled everything, and uh, you did a wonderful, wonderful job. It's refreshing to walk into a building like this 
and see. I mean, this is this is first class. This is this is uptown. This is uh, this is very nice. But you know what makes it really nice is the preaching that I heard this morning. You see, the truth is, most places like this, you walk in and you hear that organ and you hear the beautiful music and the. Uh, And it's just one big sickening ceremony that helps no one. People come in empty and they leave empty. But you come in, you may come in empty, but you can leave full because the Word of God is preached. And that's that's what makes a great church. It's not the preacher. It's not the people. It's the Word of God. And when the Word of God is 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 the the foundation you know the scripture says what can the righteous do if the foundations be destroyed what can the righteous do uh, we've been listening to uh, some preaching on the radio and uh, and and they're talking about how wonderful it is that we still have the inspired inerrant preserved word of god in the greek and hebrew <laughs> what about the english What about the... I don't speak Greek. I don't speak Hebrew. What about the English? Do we not have the preserved Word of God, the inspired, inerrant? Uh, We do. It's the old King James Bible. And and I know your pastor believes that. I know this church believes that. And again, that's what makes it such a wonderful church. Uh, You're standing on truth. And folks, you are the remnant that God needs. God, God needs His remnant to stand up and be counted. I mean, when Brother Vogelin gets on your toes and he just rips you apart and he's not only tearing you apart, he's dumping salt all over you and, and then rubbing it in some more. And uh, Listen, you thank God for that man that God gave you. And you thank God that he cares enough. You thank God that he's got enough backbone to stand up and preach truth. Uh, he was talking about women this morning. I had a uh, I had a fellow come to me several years ago, and he said, Pastor, he said, uh, there, there, we had had a business meeting and voted to rent this building. Now, we have at this time, since I was here last time, we purchased a building. We bought uh, the old Korean Baptist church uh, there in Anchorage, and, and uh, it's, it's probably as big as that loft over there. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's twice as big as what we had, and, uh, and we're filling it up, and... and uh, I was going to tell you something about that, and I forget where I was going with it. I got to think about your building again. What was I talking about? Huh? Women. Yes, women. That's why I forgot. Uh, <laughs> three women had a business meeting in, in one of their cars. And a fellow came to me and he said, my wife was not involved in that. It was a relative of his. He said, my wife wasn't involved in it. I want you to know about it. I want you to know I had nothing to do with it. And I told my wife, I'm going to pastor. This isn't right. And uh, that was on like a, a Sunday morning. Or no, it was on like, must have been about a, a Saturday. Sunday morning we had church. Sunday morning service. I said, folks, <clears throat> we made a horrible mistake. We voted on doing this transaction, and three of our women have had a, a separate meeting, and they know that, that we can't do that. They understand that you men are not smart enough to figure out the business of the church, and they have decided that we are wrong. I don't have enough brains as a pastor to, to know how to lead you in these matters, and, and boy, I mean, I mean, you could see one, two, three red faces. And I said, ladies, it'll be a cold day in purgatory when a woman takes over this church, as long as I'm alive. I said, that's not going to happen. One of them got out, went out the door, slammed the door, and hadn't been back since. But God's blessing our church. I just called back and asked them. We had a record attendance today. And uh, God's good. And uh, now... Unless you, and you're preaching this morning. You know, I thought, you know, thank God for... You know, that's what makes godly women. The preaching you heard this morning is what makes godly women. Strong women. Women that God can use and bless. Uh, I want to preach tonight on uh, kind of a question. Do you, do you like what He likes? 
Do you like what he likes? In Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, the Bible says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? And let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, you do the work that needs to be done now. I pray you'd bless the preaching and please have your will and way. Give wisdom and guidance. I pray, Holy Spirit, that uh, I would not say anything that I shouldn't say. Lord, I pray I not hold back anything that you once said. I just ask you to bless this time. And Lord, uh, spirit-filled preaching is so important. But Lord, spirit-filled preaching needs to be received by spirit-filled ears. And I pray tonight you'd have your will and way in every heart and life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, do you like what he likes? You know, wives, you should like what, what your husband likes. Uh, and you husbands, you ought to like what your wife likes. You know, uh, my wife and I, we do things. We go to dress shops together. And uh, we go to doll shops. My wife loves dolls. I had to build a cat, special cabinet. She likes dolls. We go to junk shops, I mean antique shops together. We go to fine restaurants together. We go to Taco Bell together. We go moose hunting together. We gut and skin moose together. She likes what I like. I like what she likes. We are coming up on a 37th anniversary. If you're going to be married for 37 years, have a happy marriage, you need to learn to like what each other likes. You say, well, I couldn't stand to gut a moose. Let your husband do it. Tell him how, what a wonderful job he's doing. I was gutting a moose one time. Betty's holding my gun, doing different things. And she started screaming, a cow. I killed this young bull, and a cow moose uh, came after me. She came out of the woods. It was her, her baby, you know. Uh, you know, cows, moose, they, they're kind of like mamas. They don't care how old you are. You're still my baby. And uh, I'd shot her baby between the eyes, and she didn't like it. And I was uh, removing his intestines, and that really got her upset. And she kept charging me. And my wife would scream and yell, and I'd take a gun, shoot at the cow, run her off while I finished getting the moose. And then we got it and got out of there. But we do things together. We do things together. We had a, we had a, a, a black bear, about a six-foot black, came into our, our house uh, year, summer before last and uh, he was in the bed of my truck and he was seeing what I had in, in the bed of the truck so Betty was taking his picture and, and then he climbed out of the truck and came followed her over to our front door and she went in the house until the baron left and he came back out and anyway he climbed up on an old camper that we had that I had shoved a bunch of garbage in he ripped the top of it off and got down inside the camper was tearing all the trash up and anyway he came out and he came after us uh, that was a mistake because I hit him with a 458 right between the front shoulders and stopped at his backside. And uh, so we, you know, we, we butchered him together. We do all kinds of things together. Uh, can two walk together except they be agreed? If you don't agree in your marriage, if you don't learn to like what, listen, I'm not crazy about antique shops, but I like them because my wife likes them. She's not crazy about some of the things I do, but she does because she, she likes what I like. And we walk together. Uh, you may say, well, I don't care what she likes. I don't care what he likes. It's all about what I like. You're going to be a very miserable person. And you're going to have a very rotten life with that kind of an attitude. Uh, I want to look at three things tonight, and I'll be done. Uh, and I want you to think about a word. The word is abomination. Abomination. Now, abomination means extreme hatred. You say, where are you going with this? So hang on just a minute, and you'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. An abomination is extreme hatred. Uh, and I'm asking you a question. Do you hate what they hate? Uh, abominations to Egypt. Egypt being a picture of the world. The world has things that it hates. 
Do you hate what the world hates? In Genesis 43, verse 32, the Bible says, And they set on him, by, set him by himself, for the, and them by themselves, and for the Egyptians, which did eat with him by themselves. Uh, Joseph has set everything up, but he's got every, everyone is separated. And it says in Genesis 43:32, Because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the, Egypt, the Egyptians. Do you love what they love? Is it an abomination to you? Is there some race of people that is an abomination to you? Uh, you know, the Hebrews was uh, God's people. The Egyptians was a picture of the world. And the Egyptians hated the Hebrews. God's people. And you know, there's people in, in, in Alaska, they claim to be saved. But yet they have the attitude, they don't want to be around God's people. Oh yeah, I'm saved, I just don't want to go to church. I'm saved, I just, I just don't show it. I'm saved, but I can't stand being around people. So you like what the Egyptians like. Do you like what they like? Listen, Egypt is not your friend. The world is not your friend. Uh, working with these these motorcycle gangs and uh, and these guys, you know, they're the guys that have all the fun. They they ride the Harleys and they you know they do they do the drugs and, and there's there's nothing much that they don't do and they they have all the fun. But they come to a place in their life when they realize Egypt is not my friend. There's a young man who's 30 years old. Uh, he he was having he was living life to its fullest. He was in the army stationed at Fort Rich and uh, the meanest man on Fort Rich. No one on Fort Rich could stand even be around him. Uh, he wrapped his Harley around a tree. And this is a young man, big man, strong man, healthy man. And this man, right tonight, he can move his arms, but from his armpits down, he can move nothing. He's paralyzed and most likely will be for the rest of his life. He's 30 years old. But the world was his friend. He thought. I led him to Christ. He got saved. And after he got saved, he said, Boy, preacher, I wish I'd have met you years ago. I said, Son, you wouldn't listen to me years ago. You wouldn't listen to me weeks ago. You see, you thought you had everything under control. You thought, you, you, thought, you, you and the world, boy, you just like that. And, and you thought the world is your friend. Listen, the world is not your friend. Egypt is not your friend. The devil is not your friend. They are your enemy. And if you're not saved tonight, the best thing you can do is, during this invitation, get down here and accept Christ in your heart and life. And listen, if you are saved, you better wake up and smell the coffee and understand the world is not your friend. And if you're going to do something for God, you better get busy doing it. The Lord's coming back, and I believe He's coming back soon. And we need to understand that what the world, what Egypt called an abomination, uh, it, it shouldn't, you shouldn't love those things. Egypt hated the Hebrews. It was an abomination to eat with them, to be seen with them. Listen, you, you ought to have such a desire, and I know most of you do, that's why you're here tonight, and I understand the testimony of your church. But I also understand the best place in America to backslide is sitting right there on the pew of Fairhaven Baptist Church. The easiest place in the world to backslide on God is under the preaching of Dr. Vogelin. The preaching doesn't come any better. The churches in America are none better. But yet the devil, and listen, you sat there and Brother Bogan was talking this morning about how, how easy it is to, to slide backwards and how we begin to take things for granted. And you come in, oh, it's another, it's another Sunday night service and it's another visiting preacher and it's just another sermon, but I've got so much to do tomorrow and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And you've, you, you've cut God off before the service ever started. Listen, you ought to have a desire to be with God's people, to hear from God's man, to get what it is that God has for you. Do you like what the Egyptians like? 
God told Moses, Pharaoh is going to ask you what your occupation is. In Genesis 46, 34, it says, that you shall, says, that you shall say, thy servants, thy servants' trade hath been about cattle from our youth even until now, both we and also our fathers, that ye may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. Every shepherd. You know, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. And that shepherd, too, is an abomination to the Egyptians. Your pastor is your shepherd. And he's an abomination to the Egyptians. Ever heard a joke about a preacher? Ever heard a filthy joke about a pastor? About the local pastor? Oh, preacher, I know one that's really funny. You either need to get saved or you need to get right with God. Because what is an abomination to the Egyptians is an abomination to you. And that is sad. Do you like what they like? Do you, listen, you, the other day I picked up a young man on our road. He's in the Air Force. We, we were in their car. His car broke down. I gave him a ride back to his house. And we're going up the road and I was just asking him what he did. And, and he's got a big old earring in his ear. And he said, I'm in the Air Force. You see, the, the, those, those, those guys in the military, uh, they would put their earring in. They can't wear it on base. But they take it off when they put their uniform on. But when they take the uniform off, then they stick the earring back on. You know why? Because they love what the Egyptians like. And a lot of God's people love what the Egyptians love. Psalm 94.16 says, Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Who? God is still looking for people that will stand up for Him. I'm not talking about in the house of God. Glory to God. I'm, I'm you know... Now, I, what about when you go to work on Monday morning or Tuesday afternoon or, or whenever it is? Maybe you work a night shift and you go out to night shift and all those the reprobates begin to lay out their Playboy magazines and all the garbage and filth. God says, I want a man that will stand up for me and say, I don't want nothing to do with that garbage anymore. I'm a Christian. Who will stand up? Who will say, I don't like what the Egyptians like? Listen, I was one of them. I was a child of the devil. Everything about me was wrong. I was wicked. I was evil. And Christianity was an abomination to me. I told all the jokes about the preachers. Because the shepherds was an abomination to me because I like what Egypt liked. Do you like what they like? And then there's Israel. There were certain things was an abomination to Israel. Now, I'm talking about religious people. And I'm not talking about the pure religion that James talked about. Keeping yourself unspotted from the world and visiting the, the widows and the fatherless. I'm, not, I'm talking about religion as in the religious crowd that crucified our Lord. The people that have a... A form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Abominations to Israel, to this religious crowd. Leviticus 19.9 says, these shall, these shall ye eat of all that are in the waters, whatsoever hath fins and scales in the waters, in the seas, and in the rivers, then, them shall ye eat. And all that have not fins and scales in the seas and the rivers, and all that move in the waters, and any, any living thing which is in the waters... They shall be an abomination unto you. And then verse 13 through 20 lists some of the fowls of the air. That is an abomination to eat. Eagles. An abomination to eat them. Vultures, ravens, hawks, owls, swans, pelicans, storks, bats, and other birds. I hit a bat several years ago in West Virginia. And he stuck on my windshield wiper. He had his wings stuck under it. He's still alive. And I knocked him off and he's on the ground. And I went over and took two sticks and I spread his wings out. And that thing is hissing like a snake. There's nothing I don't think uglier than a bat. But God said these things was an abomination to Israel. 
Now, the big question is, could we eat them today? And in the New Testament, 1 Timothy 4, 4 says, For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. And yet there are people that they are slaves to their religion. Slaves to their religion. Now, you ought to be a slave to Jesus Christ, but not to some religious organization that denies the power of God. There's a form of godliness there, but they deny the power of God. (laughs) I'd rather eat a dead bat than chew on a hamburger that some sodomite just sneezed all over Burger King or Wendy's or wherever. Don't forget to pray when you go out to eat. You ask the Lord to cleanse it, to bless it. Listen, you don't know where that food's been. There was a a woman in Anchorage just opened a bag of Lay's potato chips. It's about a month ago. This is in the news, in the newspaper. Opened a bag of Lay's potato chips. They interviewed her on the radio. And she found a mouse. A very stiff mouse. A mouse that had been there for a long time. And I guess he was at the bottom of the bag. So you want to pray before you eat it. But there are certain things that, that was, was an abomination that, that God told them they shouldn't eat. And they, but, but then again, the Bible, the Bible now says that we can eat anything. It's, now remember, this, this is all God's program from front to back. And, and Paul said, I think 1 Timothy 1.8, the law is good if a man uses it lawfully. Uh... You know, I'm not going to put you back under the law and, and things that, you know, when God, when God, you know, when God said it was wrong in the New Testament, he said, he says, right, then it's right. But there was a purpose. But I'm talking about religion. You know, so many people, they love what religion, you know, there's people they would love to, they would love to come to this church if you get another pastor, preferably a lady. Oh, yeah. Preferably a lady. And get them big flowing gowns. Yeah, listen, you could, have a, you could have your pastor come right out of that thing up there and just kind of float down to the pulpit on Sunday morning with lights. Oh, it'd be beautiful, beautiful service. Uh, <laughs> he'd probably be, Brother Volton probably be like that wrestler that was going to let him down the ring and the thing broke and killed him there. Uh, do you like what the religious people like? You know, are you hungry to be a great religious leader? Or are you hungry to be a servant of God? You know, at camp, at, at, at our Bible camp, we divide the whole camp into the wolves and the grizzlies. And we have grizzlies, too. I mean, the big, the real kind. We've got one at our house. Uh, he's got to be between 10, 12 foot. I mean, I mean, a huge, huge, huge bear. Uh, but we divide the camp into the wolves and the grizzlies. And... Uh, the, everything's competition. And the last day of camp, the team that lose becomes slaves to the team that wins. We've got slave tape. You probably know surveyor's tape. And we put that slave tape on them. Jonathan's been a slave before. Heather's been a slave before. Uh, and they put that slave tape on. And then one of the, sur- one of the masters will say, uh, I'd like for you to uh, go over, get on your knee, and ask that young lady to marry you. And uh, and they, they just do all kinds of stupid things. But you know what? The kids end up fighting over. Can I be a slave? It's no fun to be a master. The kids that are the masters, they're the ones that have the problems. They're the ones I have to counsel with. But the kids that are slaves, they love it. You ought to be a slave to Jesus Christ, but not to some religious organization. Listen, there may be someone here tonight, uh, you're a a slave to to some denomination. Listen, you need to get out of it, get away from it, get into this church, get on fire for God and do something with God. And then, I want to talk just for a minute about abominations to God. This is the Creator. This is the Savior. This is what is really important. Do you like what He likes? Do you really like what He likes? Leviticus 18.22 says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Talking about sodomites. 
Now, listen, in our day and age, uh, I, I am right now breaking the law by, by preaching what I'm preaching. But I will go to jail. I will go to the grave preaching against this mess. Sodomites. Listen, Alaska, Alaska is full of sodomites. They, last year, year before, year before, I guess it was, they had a gay pride month. They had a gay pride parade. Now, the queers in Anchorage, they hate our mayor. Our mayor was 25 years in the Marine Corps. And they put up this big banner at the Lusak Library in downtown Anchorage about celebrating diversity and, and, and about, you know, don't condemn sodomy until you've tried it. You try it. Mayor Wirtz told them, take it down. That's garbage. Get it out of there. Well, they got on this big campaign, went after the mayor. They hated the mayor. They hated the Marines. Because our mayor was associated with the Marine Corps. I was in the Marines. I was in Wendy's or Taco Bell the other day. And this woman, I walked up and, and, and gave her my order. And she said, are you military? I said, ma'am, once a Marine, always a Marine. She said, gotcha. <laughs> They're having this gay pride parade. I got on that Harley that y'all prayed for. I put the Marine Corps flag on the back of it. Great big one. Three by five. And I put a big sign on the windshield that said, Marine Pride. United States Marines still looking for a few good Adam and Eves, not Adam and Steves. And I went to the parade. Man is totally depraved. In Wasilla, there is an American Baptist preacher that will marry sodomites. Had a big ad in the paper defending sodomy. A Baptist preacher defending sodomy. This is where we are in America. This is where we are. Man is wicked. Leviticus 18.23 says, Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Do we really agree with God? You know, God's got a whole different attitude about things than what you and I do. Uh, in chapter 20 here, there's, there's a whole list of, of people... Uh, that God says should die. Leviticus 20.13 says, And if a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them hath committed an abomination, they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. It's not an alternate lifestyle in God's book. And if a man lie with a beast, he shall surely be put to death, and ye shall slay the beast. And if a woman... Uh, approach unto any beast and lie down there too. Thou shalt kill the woman and the beast. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. I'm not saying go out and find all the queers you can find and kill them. But I'm telling you, God looks at it differently than what we do. I got on an airplane and I sat down beside this young man. And uh, we were sitting there and I was supposed to be in row 20 and they put me in row 5. I sat down and this guy's sitting beside me and we're talking. And he said, what do you do? And I, I, he said, where do you live? And I said, I live in Alaska. He said, oh, what brings you down here? And I can't remember. I was going preaching somewhere. And, uh, and anyway, I, I told him, I said, you know, he said, what do you do? I said, I pastor a church in Anchorage. And uh, he said, uh, i got to ask you something. And then he said, I'm gay. And he said, uh, would you mind telling me what you think about gay people? I said, I'd love to tell you what I think about gay people. I said, first of all, you couldn't found a, 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 a worse word. to do. You are not gay. I'm gay. Gay means happy, jovial. You're talking about sodomy. And I said, you asked me that question... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that you, you want, and listen, I preached to that young man until the, we landed. I mean, I mean, he, he said, you know, he asked me what, I said, God said you're worthy of death. He's sitting right beside me. God said you're worthy of death. God said he's going to give you over to a reprobate mind. 
And I believe that you're right on the verge of making a choice. You're going to repent of your sin. And I told him that, that some of those folks over in, I can't remember if it was Galatians or where it was, but Paul said, or maybe it's Corinthians, where he said, of such were some of you, when he's talking about the effeminate. But they had gotten saved. And I said, sounds to me like you're right on the edge of making that choice. You're going to make the final choice to accept Christ or reject God in your life. And I said, if you reject Him, He will give you over to a reprobate mind. He said, have you ever talked to a gay person or lesbian before? I said, no, your people won't talk to me. They don't want to hear truth. As a son, Jesus loves you and you need to be saved. Such a horrible, horrible sin. God looks at sin in a way that you and I don't look at it. Do, listen, we ought to agree with God. We ought to agree with Him. The Bible says, a man also or a woman that hath a familiar spirit or is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. In this new age that we live in, it's witches, wizards, and Harry Potters. Oh, Harry Potter, it's just such a cute little movie and and all the kids like it. I don't know how it is down here, but in Alaska, there's whole sections, toy sections in stores. The whole sections of it is nothing but Harry Potter garbage. The good witch. Whatever he's supposed to be. Do we like what God likes? Oh, we're, we're not going to stand up and say anything. I mean, good night. You get on these little kids' programs. This fall... We were in bed about three o'clock in the mor- about three o'clock Sunday morning, and I heard this crash. Now you got to understand where we live. Uh, I've I've killed I've killed two bear that I had to kill coming at me. When I get back home, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick me up a short barrel 44 Magnum. I mean I don't go outside my house without a gun. My wife doesn't go outside her house without a gun. I've been run back in the house by moose. I, my son walked around in front of his car, and I, I yelled at him from our porch. He walked around. There was a bear stand right in front of his van. He come around. If he had walked around the van, he'd have tripped over this thing. I don't go out without a gun. This last fall, about three o'clock in the morning, I heard this horrible crash. Now, several years back, we had a, a wolf dog named Frank, and. Another dog named Fred. They were big dogs, and Frank was a wolf. We heard this fighting on our porch. Our bed's here, the, the outside wall, and then the, you know you come back around this way and go outside, and here's the porch. Well, we heard this bear fighting on our porch. He was fighting with Fred. I jumped up. I couldn't get this window open because it's full of whatever. And I, so I opened a shade on this window, and I look out. And I see Frank, our wolf dog, you know, it's like he dove off of this thing. He's in the air. And I see this little black bear cub. And Frank is in the air heading for that black bear cub. The mother bear is on the porch fighting with Fred. And by the time I got outside, this is all ended. The bear's gone. Bears are gone. And Fred and Frank stay on the porch. They don't want nothing more to do with this woman. This fall, we heard this horrible noise, and I woke out of a dead sleep, and I'm thinking, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning, I'm thinking, another bear. I grab my gun, I run it on the porch, there's nothing. Went back to bed. That morning, we got ready for church, and I went out to start the car, and when I went out to start the car, I looked, and there's eggshells all over the porch. I thought, eggshells? Good night, they're everywhere. At three o'clock in the morning, we had a bunch of Satanists came into our camp, came into our house, and on three, they all egged our house. When we left, we've got scripture signs on the camp. There's 666 all over the scripture signs with spray paint. His servants' Bible camp signs. There's 666 all over everything. I called the troopers and told them what had happened. And uh, anyway, 
They, you know, they, they took. I just said, I want you to know there's there's somebody vandalizing property up here at three o'clock in the morning. This is out in the middle of nowhere. A week or two after that, we went to leave. Our scripture signs have been spray painted again. Six, six, six. Six, six, six down the scripture signs and Satan down one side. Down the road, a quarter of a mile from our driveway, my name is spelled across the road with a very obscene picture under it. The trooper said, I take that as a threat. He said they're, they're gothics. I don't know if you have these gothics down here, but there are, people, there are kids that get into this. Uh, they, they want to look like vampires. It's part of the occult. They wear black and white and black makeup and black fingernail polish. And, and, uh, but the trooper said they're gothics. There was a girl who had come to camp last year. A young man in our church brought this girl to camp. And when she came in, she wasn't dressed right. She was half naked, the top half of her. I told one of her ladies, get her, get her, get her a blouse or a sweater or a coat or something. She needs to be covered. So they got her something. That, that, that didn't set well. She had a pickup truck with all kinds of garbage on the back window. I said, get that truck out of here. Take it up on top. Turn it around. Back it into the woods. I don't want people looking at that garbage here at the camp. That didn't set well. Three days before all this stuff began to happen at the camp, she called a young man in our church and said, where exactly was it Pastor Roach lived? I need some counsel. And I need a map to his house. She's also one of these gothics. I gave her name to the troopers, and we haven't had any more problems. I also went out on counseling missions. About a month after that, about midnight, one o'clock in the morning, I would get up and I would go out looking for the gothics. <clears throat> Had a pocket full of tracks and other paraphernalia. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I fixed up our camp. I had where our signs were. I had a 20-pound trilene fishing line with treble hooks dangling everywhere. It would have been a very painful experience. We've got a man in our church who is an attorney. <laughs> he called me and said, Pastor, I'm telling you, you need to get that stuff down. So that's going to be worse. Than... So anyway, I took it down. But that's that old nature in me that comes back. We had tripwires. We had everything set up for him, but... He said, no, you better not do that. Do we like what God likes? Do you like what the Lord likes? The Bible says uh, about the graven images and the gods, ye shall burn them with fire, for it is an abomination to the Lord God. Thou shalt not sacrifice unto the Lord thy God any bullocks or sheep which is blemished or any evil favoredness. For that is an abomination to the Lord. You know, and I ask myself, do, do we really like what God likes? or are, Do we offer Him our best? Or do we give Him the leftovers? Uh, man is a wicked creature. A wicked creature. You know, John saw Jesus coming. John one twenty nine. The next day John saith Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That is the sacrifice that God wants. That is the sacrifice that God the Father loves. That is the sacrifice that God the Father provided for us. And that is the only sacrifice that He will accept. Do we like what He likes? <clears throat> you know, it's amazing... Uh, what is done in the name of Christianity. One of our men, now we've got a big prison ministry, and one of our men came in one day and said he met a woman, said she's a prostitute for Jesus. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 23, 17, There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow, for even both these are abomination unto the Lord thy God. 
If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them hath committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Do we like what God likes? Do we hate what God hates? You say, well, you're, 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 you're too judgmental. No, we need to learn to love what God loves. Ladies, listen, I'm encouraging you tonight, learn to love whatever it is your husband loves, if it's right, if it's not something sinful. He likes playing golf. Listen, I played one game of golf, and it's everything I thought it would be. Uh, I'm not a golfer. Now, I'll go out in the woods and spend thousands of dollars to, you know, go out and, you know, and you almost die from hypothermia and everything else to shoot all this free meat. Uh, but I'm not a golfer. Listen, if your husband loves golf, you ought, to, you, ought to learn, you ought to learn to love it with him or act like you do. You know, you might be surprised when he starts taking you to the malls and whatever it is that you like to do. And you know, if we as Christians could learn to love what God loves and hate what God hates, I just think we'd be better children. I think we'd be better children. You know, when you're thinking of abomination, you can't preach a sermon on abomination without coming to Deuteronomy 22.5, one of the most hated verses in the Bible. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. An abomination being extreme hatred. You know what that verse says? That verse says, if I came in here to preach for you tonight and I had on my wife's dress... I would be an abomination. And I doubt very seriously the opportunity would still be open for me to stand here. You say, Brother Roach, men don't wear dresses. We went into Carr's grocery store in Anchorage several months back. This car pulled in beside us and this man got out. He had on a skin-tight skirt, came just above the knees, skin-tight, skin-tight t-shirt, Nylons, those little tennis shoes that ladies wear. And went wiggling into the store. We were in the store the other day. Here comes this. Like, look like this fellow in the back here with a beard, the big guy. I mean, he's his size or bigger. Here he comes, walking through the store. He's got on a camouflage skirt. Big old hairy legs, a camouflage skirt. You know, everybody wants to harp on women in britches. It also is talking about men in dresses. God said it's an abomination. You know, I know a lot of children that they really don't care what daddy likes. There's nothing more disgusting than seeing a child. Their dad will say, son, come here. And the kid acts like he's deaf. I'd like to have one of them little cattle prods and build a fire under them. If, if my son would not respond to my commands, I'd get one of them little collars, the shock things. Son, come here. <laughs> I was talking to you. Now, they didn't have them, so I used a belt. Not around his neck, around his rear end. A lot of children, they don't like to respond to their daddy's ideas and thoughts. And you know, there's a lot of God's people. We don't like to respond to those things that God loves. We don't like to respond to those things that God hates. Proverbs 3.32 says, For the froward is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. Froward, being perverse, turning from, reluctant, not willing to yield or comply with what is required. You just get sick and tired of hearing all this preaching. You get sick and tired of Dr. Vogelin coming up here and pouring his heart out and preaching all this stuff. And he's always, if he's not harping on the women, he's harping on the men. And if he's not on the men and the women, he's on the teenagers. And if he's not on the teenagers, it's the babies in the nursery. I get so sick and tired of 
That's called forward. You know, if you hear something that's in the Bible, obey it. If it's not in the Bible, go talk to your preacher. You got a problem? Go see your pastor. Don't 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 go to other people in the church and start spreading your poison. Go see your preacher. You got a problem? And you know the truth is most people don't have enough backbone to go to their preacher. Now I didn't realize that. Now again, I walked out of the bars into an independent Baptist church. I went off to Tennessee Temple years ago. Lee Robertson, Dr. Lee Robertson's a pastor. I, I I didn't know all this that people were scared of preachers. Again, understand where I came from. I walk out of the bars. I'm going to be a mercenary. I'm going to be a hitman. I mean, I've hurt people. And now I'm at Tennessee Temple. There's the preacher's office. I go over. Want to see the preacher? Well, I go in, and and I mean, it's like getting in to see the president. I walk in this big office, and here's Dr. Lee Robertson sitting back behind this huge desk. And I mean, he's talking on the phone and signing papers, and there's books, you know. And 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 I mean, you don't just walk in to see Dr. Robertson. I didn't know that. I walked in and I sat down. He's on the phone writing and whatever. And he finally got off. And he never even looked at me. He got off and he's still writing. He said, what are you here for, lad? I said, nothing. Then he looked at me. He said, well, why are you here? I said, you're the preacher, aren't you? He said, yes, I am. I said, well, I'm one of your new members. I'm not going to church. I don't know who the preacher is. Talk to your pastor. Listen, your pastor is not going to bite your head off. He loves you. You're one of his sheep. Talk to him. You ought to have a relationship with your pastor. And by the way, when all this poison garbage starts around the church, the preacher ought to be the first one you go to. Pastor, I want you to know this is going on and I'm not part of it. And if you've got a problem, go talk to him. Forwardness. A false balance is abomination to the Lord. You know, what is your scale? What is it that you compare things? Your church? Your friends? Your family? Your pastor? That's a false balance. Right here's, right here's the scale. You got something wrong in your life? Something you want to know? Am I right or am I wrong? God, show me. And God will show you and you'll come out with the right balance. It's an abomination. Do we really like what God likes? Lying lips are abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 15.8, the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 15.9, the way of the wicked is abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 15.26, the thoughts of the wicked are abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 17.15, he that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, even both are abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 28.9 says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination to the Lord. You say, I don't like what God said. I'm just going to go home and pray about it. Your prayer is an abomination to the Lord. You turn your ear from hearing the law of God. It's an abomination. Even your prayers. Do we like what He likes? That's the important question. Do you love what God loves? Do you hate what God hates? You know, that's what makes a strong Christian. You can learn all the Greek and Hebrew you want and still be one of those weaklings that the pastor was talking about this morning. That everyone's passing up. But you take someone that, that has a third grade education and can't hardly read, but when they get a verse out or they hear a verse, could you help me read this? And they read this, oh, oh Lord, I'm sorry, I've been guilty of that. And I'm, they love the law, they want to do the law, they want to be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. And all of a sudden the power of God's on their life. Because they like what God likes. When I first got saved, when I, I, I mean, I, if you opened the Bible anywhere, just pick a chapter and start reading, I'd be on the altar. I'm guilty of something. I was guilty. 
Do you like what God likes? The Bible says, Luke sixteen fifteen, And he said unto them, talking to the Pharisees, Ye are they which justify yourselves before man, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which he is, is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. <clears throat> There's only one way you're going to get to heaven. That's through Jesus Christ. You need to be saved. And once you are saved, you need to start obeying the Lord. Preacher was talking this morning about getting baptized. Just, just forget about all your excuses and tell the preacher, I want to get baptized. I accepted Christ whenever it was, and I want to get baptized. I want to get into this church. I want to start serving God. I want not, all the buses around this place, surely there's something you could do. I mean, I cannot believe there's just no place for me to serve the Lord. Listen, when I went to Tennessee Temple, we had, I was, it was bigger than this. And we had more buses down there than what you all got here, I believe. They were busing in 3,000 kids Sunday afternoon, afternoon Sunday school. And I used to, I used to say, Lord, would you, would you please, please use me in your service. Prayed that for years. Lord, would you use me in your service. Till one day, I thought, you know, maybe I'm just going to ask somebody if there's something I could do. I was amazed. <laughs> I mean, I was amazed. They needed help like you wouldn't believe. Come over and help us. Come over here and help us. No, help us. We need more help than they do. You start liking what God likes and God will start using you. And God starts using you. God starts blessing you. And you, all of a sudden, you, you have a hatred for what God hates. And all of a sudden, boy, you, you know, God's using you. You know, that thing is a motorcycle. They've got a, a thing called the Christian Motorcycle Association. In Alaska, uh, those that are in the Christian Motorcycle Association, think the, in the, their thinking is, we're going to dress up like the Hells Angels and we'll go reach them bikers. When I pull in, I've got, and I've got a, a, a thing on, on a, a jacket that I've got. And it says from, I've got a track. It says, From Mercenary to Missionary. And on the back of that motorcycle jacket, it says, from mercenary to missionary. And it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. It's got a little cross on the front. And it's, I mean, it's got, a, it's got you know, Vietnam War veteran, a Viet Cong hunting club, and different things like that. But, but it says Christian. It says veteran. That sportster, boy, I mean, they like that sportster. But when they get near that sportster, that sportster says, Christian. That sportster says, I am saved. I am not like you are. This motorcycle is a Harley, but it is not like your Harley. All the airbrushing done on Harleys is death, hell, and destruction, crossbones, skulls. And... But it says, I'm a Christian. But you can't do anything by doing right. We saw one of those guys the other day, just before we came down here. Hey, chaplain. How you doing? You having your veteran service again this year? He said, your church got the best food. He said, I've been here twice, and I'm coming back this year. That'll be three times we'll get to preach this young man. They call me chaplain now. You know why? There's something different. There's something that I don't have. And when Egypt looks to you, when the religious crowd looks to you, they ought to say, There's some, that young lady's got something that I don't have. And when you learn to like the things that he likes, that'll begin to happen. You learn to hate the things that he hates. That's going to begin to happen. How can two walk together except they be agreed? Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would bless this invitation. I pray you would have your will and way in every heart and life. Thank you for listening to Strengthening the Brethren podcast. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. If you are listening via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give a five-star rating and review. Lastly, 
share with your friends so that they too can be encouraged and think upon the topics that come up on this podcast. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or anything else for me, you can contact me through my website at www.refreshedingodsword.com or you may email me at stbpodcastkjv at gmail.com. Have a blessed day.